Julie, welcome to Saltier Politics and a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. What are you doing for Halloween tonight? Tonight I am doing nothing, but tomorrow I'm going to a Halloween party. What are you going to be? Well, this is my debate. Uh, I'm trying to spend and do as little as possible, but one, I was either going to just wear, I have USA soccer shorts and be a soccer player, or I was going to- Right. Or I was going to wear my just a lot of my old brown gear and be the liberal elite. Lame. So far. you could borrow my costume. <laughs> what are you being? So, as you know, I have a seven year old. Um, and for the last couple of years, he was a ninja. No, I'm sorry. For uh, not last year. Last year, he was the Grim Reaper and it was a great costume. But the year before that and the year before that, he was a ninja. And after he became the Grim Reaper last year, he decided he wanted to be scary again this year because it was such an effective costume. So he's going to be some scary ghoul. But then he also insisted that I be something scary. And he picked out my costume. And so I am wearing a bloody nun habit. No. I'm going to be a killer nun. Oh, my. In a, re- a movie just came out about. Killer nuns? Yeah, evil nuns. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to be an evil killer nun, um, which uh, is okay. But you can borrow my killer nun costume because I will be done with it after tonight. Okay, actually, I might do that because clearly mine you are not a fan of. (laughs) (laughs) Your soccer thing is like, okay, you're just wearing soccer clothes. And your um, brown stuff is... I was just wearing... Look at me. I went to brown. I'm so smart, everybody. Look at me. I'm writing liberal I did well on my SATs, everybody. (laughs) I went to brown. Look at me. None of you are as smart as I am. Yeah, I'm going to not do that. Yeah, so I'm going to make fun of you if you do that. Yeah, so I'm going to be a nun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're gonna be a bloody nun. So I'm also gonna be an evil nun this okay, year. Okay, I will. Um, I will. I will. Have Breaking co- news. I will. I will bring you my costume tomorrow. We will hook up tomorrow, straight, and I will bring you my costume. Straight from saltier politics. Yes. This okay. This is what you're gonna be, everybody. What is your favorite Halloween candy, by the way? Um, my favorite. So again, I'm very fortunate. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I have a kid who hates chocolate. Oh my god. Except for Kit Kats, ironically enough. And so, I basically raid his Halloween stash openly i don't have to even steal it when he goes to bed because he hates chocolate and he hates peanut butter so guess who gets all the reese's pieces peanut butter cups me well my brother can empathize with you because i was allergic i am allergic to peanuts you're allergic to everything i'm allergic to everything so i'm a great person to trick-or-treat with because you could also have my entire bag well do you want to come trick-or-treating with us tonight i could do that okay cool yeah so also going trick-or-treating but i might I'll probably be a soccer player. Um, <laughs> Look at me. I'm a soccer player. I'm wearing a soccer jersey. I'm doing as little as possible. All right. You can, you know what? I think I have a witch hat somewhere from last year that you can borrow if you want to come trick-or-treating with us tonight. <laughs> I know. Your son will just think I'm so lame. He's, that's okay. Though. That's all right. He already thinks that. You know that. I that's know. not true, actually. My son is a totally ungrateful little boy because you consistently bring him cool gifts and he consistently promises to send you thank you notes and consistently fails to do that. And no matter how much you point it out to him, he never does it. So I'm actually incredibly pleased that you will be coming trick-or-treating with us if you want so that he can be once more embarrassed that he failed to write you a thank you note again for the 20th time that he's seen you. That's what I'll do. It'll be my trick and treat for him. But now let's go to a completely different topic. Julie, we've seen you a lot on different uh, channels, really talking about a really important issue that people, I think it's it's coming to light and about NDAs. And uh, 
recently NBC it announced that it would allow former staffers to be, be released from their non-disclosure agreements. Well, so unfortunately, there's very limited things I can say about this um, because I'm under an NDA. But uh, this was prompted by a couple of different things. One is I got a call from the Hollywood Reporter, which is a word that I, a phrase I never thought I'd <laughs> utter in my life. Um, and they asked me whether you know this movie Bombshell is coming out, um, uh, discussing what happened at Fox News. Um, I think Charlize Theron is playing Megyn Kelly, and Nicole Kidman is playing um, Gretchen Carlson. And there's a woman named Anna O'Reilly, I think that's how you pronounce her first name, playing me in what I understand is a very small and limited scene. But um, but this reporter from The Hollywood Reporter asked me who, whether I had cooperated or had ever spoken to any of the writers or producers of the movie, and I said, no, I didn't, and I can't, because I am bound by an NDA, so I can't really talk to anybody about what happened. And the more I spoke to her about this, and the more I thought about this, I realized how frustrating it is that there is somebody out there who is portraying me and my story, effectively, without knowing the facts, and... um, God bless, I mean, this is not anybody's fault, but they have no access to learn what happened to me because I can't talk about it. And that's very frustrating to know that your story is told by others um, who have to fill in the blanks and fill in the void and use their imagination because you have no ability to tell your own story. And you can't write your own narrative. You can't write your own narrative. Um, No. And um, so that kind of got me to thinking about this and so I and a few other women who f- are, some of whom are also portrayed in this movie and others who just feel strongly that, that they want to be able to tell their side of the story, wrote, um, had our attorneys write to, to Fox's attorneys and just asked that we be released from our NDAs. And it's now, today's October 31st, Thursday, and so we have not heard back from them so far. Um, and then secondly, uh, shortly after that, um, Ronan Farrow, who's done incredible, incredible work uh, as part of the Me Too movement um, and has exposed a lot of nefarious activity, went on Brett Baer's show at Fox and talked about how far Fox had come um, in, in going past um, the Ailes era. And so I and a few other women wrote a letter to Ronan Farrow um, basically saying, again, not Ronan Farrow's fault at all. He, he's, a, again, a wonderful journalist. But essentially underscoring the same point, which is that you, you can't know whether they have or they haven't because um, we can't talk about it. We can't speak about it. Right. And um, so if we have something to add to that discussion and inform that discussion, we aren't able to do that because we're under an NDA. So, um, you know, Gretchen Carlson, who you know has been, I think, the, the leader of the Me Too, the person who really started the Me Too movement. People forget, everybody thinks it was the Harvey Weinstein stuff. It was really Gretchen uh, in 2016 who, who jumped off a cliff and started all of this and gave a lot of other women courage to come forward. She and I had talked about this, and I think she also feels like she wants to tell her side of the story. She's being portrayed by Nicole Kidman. She... Uh, can't cooperate with this movie, uh, even though she has a very major role in this movie because uh, she's also bound by an NDA, and uh, they had this Showtime series that that where Naomi Watts portrayed her, which is, again, telling Gretchen's story without ever having had the ability to talk to Gretchen. So she, I think she feels equally frustrated. Uh, 
What I found interesting is that a lot of people are asking, okay, well, you knowingly signed this NDA. Nobody held a gun to your head. You took the money and you signed a non-disclosure agreement in exchange, and that's how it works. And I would say two things about that. One is, at a time when we did that, um, the world had not shifted in the way it has now. I mean, a lot of things have changed in the last couple of years. Tremendously. Secondly, I think any company that has nothing to fear um, and really believes that they have eradicated the problem should have no fear in letting us tell our side of the story. I mean, it was at a time that they claim is past. So what's the harm in letting us tell our story if, in fact, they have said, um, and this is not just with respect to Fox, this is a broad, you know, I'm broadly speaking about any company, if you have nothing to fear, then why not let people just say what they want to say? Um, And if they say something you consider to be false, then of course you can correct the record. Um, Third, uh, but I don't think people understand when they say, well, you took the money, you could have gone to court, you could have done this. Uh, The moral and grinding and exhausting process of what I and a lot of these other women were embroiled in is atrocious. And I was talking to another woman who was in a similar situation yesterday, and she said that we were women who were used to being on TV and used to being seen by people, and in fact, our whole job was to be in the public eye, not our whole job, but a great part of our job was to be out there in the public eye. When you file these lawsuits, you kind of want to, you mentally become a different person. You want to crawl into a hole. You are... Um, you don't want to be out there. You don't want to be seen. You don't want to be recognized. You just, you, you, it's, it's incredibly difficult emotionally, mentally. It's draining. And companies, I think, realize that, which is why they stretch it out and stretch it out until you finally just say, okay, I just want to get this passed. Um, as I've said very often, I was very fortunate to have a career and a job that had nothing to do with being on TV while I was on TV. So I was able to, to do that and go to um and continue doing that, and I continue to do that today. A lot of these women whose careers were on TV, in fact, could not get another job while their lawsuit was ongoing because people, networks, other networks wanted to see how it was handled. Um, they wanted to see how it was going to resolve itself. So you can't really move on until you're, able, or until you're done. And so there is a tremendous amount of incentive to just get it done with and, and, right. and just, just get it over with. Um, I don't know of any woman who sued because she wanted to make a buck. Uh, Most of these women have not worked in television again, and their careers are effectively over. They're effectively drummed out of the industry, which is something that most people don't realize. It's not like you leave CNN and you go to NBC, or you leave NBC and you go to Fox. In fact, the entire industry becomes very close to you. Agents don't want to work with you. You become kind of known as a troublemaker. Nobody wants to let you in. So... uh, This is not something that is career-enhancing, and it's not something that is emotionally fulfilling. It's, it's awful, and it's draining, and it's dark, and it's exhausting. And for that reason, people just say, I'll just come to, you know, we'll, we'll come to a settlement agreement, and that's fine. And every settlement agreement includes an NDA. And again, sure, we all could have gone to court. Um, we could have, but, but to get to a court, to get to a jury would take probably two to three years. That's a very long time to have your life be in limbo. And so, I go back to the following. If a company, and this is broadly speaking, not just Fox News and not just media, but also politicians, 
who make people sign NDAs, um, corporations that make people sign NDAs, if they have nothing to hide, and in fact, if they have moved on, then there's no reason to prevent these women from speaking about their experiences at a time when things were not going right in their companies. Um, we're not talking about the secret here for Coca-Cola. Like I see, I understand why if you work for a company, if you work for Coke, they make you sign an NDA so that you can't take the secret formula and give it to Pepsi. That makes sense. But this is talking about specifically about a hostile work environment towards women and others. Um, and so I think it's important for companies to acknowledge that if you have nothing to hide, just let women speak. What's the big deal? And if you think that they say something that is truly wrong, then you come out and, and, and say so. And let's all move on. I mean, this is, this is a different world we're living in now than we were two or three years ago. I'm so proud to be your friend, Julie. Well, I thank think, you. Yeah, I think this... And I'm proud to be yours. Well, I think the system works against victims, and I think you guys are kind of really being very brave and... Well, you know, Gretchen and I talked about this too uh, on CBS the other day, but also privately we've talked about this. She and I are going to be just fine. Um, I have a career that has nothing whatsoever to do with my time in TV, and that career is great. Um, so for all your Twitter trolls that keep telling me to get a job, I've, I've always had one. But um, so, and, and Gretchen's just fine, and she's super busy doing the good work that she's doing um, on behalf of women. So we're not really doing it for ourselves. Um, we are doing it for that. I got a tweet yesterday from a woman, and it's, it was heartbreaking. She said she was making less than $35,000 a year. She was fired because she got pregnant, and she had to sign an NDA essentially as part of her settlement. Well, you know what? That woman can't really talk about what happened to her. And she's not making a tremendous amount of money. Um, it's those women who don't have a platform and don't have a voice. I mean, Gretchen and I are lucky that we have a platform and we do have a voice and we are able to go in places like CBS and talk about it and we are able to, 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 to publicize this. But that woman doesn't. And, um, and so I don't want to sound Pollyannish, but it's, it's really on behalf of her. I got another email yesterday from a woman um, without getting too detailed about it who said for the first time in a very long time she was... I forgot how she phrased it, but something like she was not living in her own individual prison anymore, that she understood that there were women who were struggling and dealing with the same things that she was. And she wanted to join in this cause and she wanted to, to work for this cause and, and, and she was not, um, that she finally didn't feel alone for the first time. We're doing it for that woman. Um, because Gretchen and I and, and, and all the other women out there that, that wrote this letter, will be just fine, we'll be okay. We, we were okay before this. We'll be okay again. But it's those women that I think need somebody to speak for them. So that's why we're doing it. Well, all right. Um, moving on. A federal judge blocked Alabama's extreme abortion ban, which would charge doctors who perform abortions with a felony that could carry up to 99 years in prison. And the judge ruled that the ban, quote, contravenes clear Supreme Court precedent and violates patients' privacy. So this is really good news. Good. Um, I think that's great. Now, let's see what happens when it gets to the Supreme right. Court. Um, the Supreme Court is not particularly pro-choice friendly these days, but it's a step in the right direction. And um, the way that I think abortion opponents are coming at this issue now is not an outright ban on abortion. It's just completely eradicating access right. to um, abortions and creating all these different uh, barriers to providers being able to, to do the important work of terminating pregnancies under any circumstances. I mean, people terminate pregnancies for all sorts of reasons. 
and uh, that's becoming virtually impossible in a lot of places in the country. So I, I really hope people take a look at that and, and seriously consider the harm to women's health that is done when laws like this get passed. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I just hope that it continues to be blocked and we'll see. We'll see from there. Yeah, and look, uh, you know, the abortion issue is a very, I don't know how you feel about this, Emily. I get it. If you're pro-life and you believe that life begins at conception, then of course it's incumbent on you to prevent what you think is murder. And I totally understand that. I just hope that people on both sides of the aisle understand, or both sides of this issue understand what a complicated issue it is. Right. Um, and that there are people, for example, who get, who terminate a pregnancy after 20 weeks, not because, whoops, they forgot to do it in the first two months or three months, but because they have a fetus that has severely, severely awful um, medical development that would lead to an, uh, either a stillbirth um, if the baby were to be born, uh, be born not alive, or lead to a, a baby that would be born um, with severe issues that would cause that baby to die within days of being born. I mean, there are all sorts of reasons why people ter- choose to terminate pregnancies at a latter stage of a pregnancy. And I know several that had to, and these are people who desperately wanted children, desperately. Um, one actually went to, to Dr. Tiller, if you remember the guy that got killed in Kansas. Yep. And this is a, a couple who desperately, desperately wanted a third child. Um, and this baby just was so severely, this, this child would never have been born um, alive. She could have carried it to term, but it would never have been born alive. And so um, they, they had to terminate the pregnancy. Again, these are not people who, whoops, I got knocked up because I got drunk one night right. and, and I forgot to get an abortion in the first trimester. So now I'm waiting until the second or third right. trimester. Like these are people who have made a very calculated decision not to carry around and go through the emotional and physical pain of delivering a child that was going to be born effectively dead. And again, I just think it's about a woman being able to control her own body and be able to make decisions on that. I remember um, early on with Fox Digital when I had you interview a congresswoman, a local congresswoman from North Carolina, I believe, and the same decision like with men who wanted, she tried to put a... um, uh, a rule in where if men wanted erectile dysfunction drugs, they had to get oh my God, a doctor. That was a great interview. Yeah, she God, get, that was great. Yeah, she had to get a doctor's. The men had to get doctor's note uh, explaining why they had to uh, talk to three former partners to reiterate that they they actually needed it and just yeah, wait wait twenty four hours right <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like, I mean, it's just about control of their body. Like, what what if if men can say this about women? I, I gotta say. Unless you've been pregnant, I shouldn't say right. this because this sounds this sounds like I'm I'm being a little condescending, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, and I hope people understand the spirit with which I say it. Um, I I don't pretend to be an expert on motherhood. I only have one, and so whenever anybody asks me, asks me advice about children, I, I'm like, oh, I'll I'll tell you, but it's with the benefit of having one child, and I've only been pregnant once, and that was with my son. But unless you really go through a pregnancy, you you can't really grasp what that's like in terms of bonding with your with your baby, in terms of concern for your baby. Um, when I was pregnant with mine, I got a test back at, I think, 12 weeks saying that there was a possibility that he had spina bifida. That's the scariest thing. I and I had to wait 48 hours to, perform, to do another test. 
And in that four, 20, 48 hours, I really had to think about my options. I mean, really. Right. Um, did I want to bring a child into this world that was going to be born with spina bifida? And there are plenty of people who live with spina bifida and and uh, and are grateful to be alive and, and, and have fulfilling lives. I had to really give that a lot of thought. Mercifully, luckily, he, he was, um, he was, he was fine. Um, but, uh, you know, you, when you, you start bonding with your baby at a very early, um, point. And if you have to make decisions like that, um, it is because it's not an easy decision. Nobody uses this for birth control, right? I mean, no. at all. Um, not even the 16 year old that accidentally gets pregnant. She's not using this for birth control. She's using this because she acts, I mean, right. <laughs> it happens, right? Nothing is a hundred percent foolproof. Um, so I just wish people were a little bit more understanding about that. Moving on to something that, um, I would just like your reaction to regarding the impeachment controversy. Rep. Steve Scalise slams quote Soviet style impeachment process being run by Democrats. He calls Speaker Pelosi out for agenda items that are going untouched because of their infatuation with impeachment, saying we have a we have a drug prices bill that won't come to the floor. We don't even have a bill to pay our troops, telling Pelosi, quote, that's how Soviet style this is running. Don't run a sham process like this resolution ensures. So, Julie, oh having my God. Let me clap back. Yep. Let, me, let me clap back. Clap back, Julie. All right, Steve Scalise. First of all, talk to Mitch McConnell because he's the one holding up all the bills that the House passed. It may not be bills that you like, Steve Scalise, but they are, in fact, a ton of bills that the House passed on health care, on drug affordability, on veterans. And guess who's killing it right now? Mitch McConnell, your buddy from Kentucky. He's killing it in the Senate. So... Let's put that aside. Secondly, Steve Scalise, let me talk to you about Soviet-style nonsense. Soviet-style nonsense is when an entire media complex and the government conspire together to gaslight an entire nation, which is really how the Soviet Union operated. Black was white. White was black. Um, Pravda, which which is the Russian word for truth, was a newspaper that was putting out anything but Pravda. Um, So uh, it's very precious to me that you have Steve Scalise talking about this when in fact the Republicans have been sitting in every single hearing on impeachment that the Democrats have been. It's like they're pretending that there are no Republicans sitting in these hearings with Adam Schiff. They're Republicans. There are Republicans. The reason they can't subpoena people to testify, Steve Scalise, is because you, Steve Scalise, changed the law. You changed the law when you were in the majority to prevent the minority at the time, the Democrats, from doing that. And now you're complaining because it's coming back to bite you. Well, you should have thought about that, Steve Scalise, before you changed the law. And as for talking about Soviet style anything, you know, I am always incredibly offended by analogies to the Holocaust, right? Like whenever somebody's like, oh, he's behaving like, you know, a Nazi. Well, not really. I mean, unless you're really a Nazi, you're not behaving like a Nazi. You're not out to kill 6 million Jews, for example. Enough with the Soviet analogies because the Soviet regime was a really awful, horrible, repressive regime that was responsible for the murder of hundreds of millions of people. In fact, more than Nazi Germany. Well, I wouldn't say more, but about the same as Nazi Germany. Don't do that. I mean, it's just absurd and it's obnoxious and it's gaslighting people because no matter how much Steve Scalise, this, this may fly in Steve Scalise's very conservative district in Louisiana, it doesn't fly with normal people. 
And uh, if Steve Scalise is unhappy about the process, he should not have actually put the process in motion. It will be like if the Republicans get upset if, for example, the Democrats win control um, in the Senate and there's a Republican president. They'll be upset when some, Repu- when some Democrat says, oh, we can't confirm a Republican justice because, you know, we've got a year left on the president's term and the voters need to vote. Like, I-, I can imagine Mitch McConnell going crazy when that happens. And guess who started this process, dude? It's you guys. It's right. you guys. And now you're upset about it. What are you upset about, Steve Scalise? You did it. You changed the law when you were in the majority. 2015, I believe. So calm down, put on your big boy pants, and realize that, as you always say, elections have consequences. Well, they have consequences in both directions. And Donald Trump will likely be impeached, and the American public will learn very quickly and very soon even more details about why that should be the case. And then we'll see what the Senate does. And the difference between Steve Scalise and Senator Collins or Senator Gardner um, is that they have to run in districts and states, excuse me, that are not completely and utterly enthralled to Donald Trump. And we'll see what they do. These clapbacks give me weekly energy, oh, and I appreciate them. Anytime. Um, okay. So, Julie, why are you salty this week? Um, I am salty this week because um, I, on this NDA stuff, I have become kind of saltier as, as time has gone on. We talked a little bit about it. But I am salty because I truly think this is the next step in this movement um, to empower women. And what I'm particularly salty about are all these Twitter trolls who email me saying, well, you should have known if you didn't want to sign an NDA, you shouldn't have signed. And we talked about that. But also I want to talk to you trolls. Why don't you want me to speak? Don't you kind of want more information rather than less? Like, why are you defending the muzzling of women? I would think that if you are a impartial person, you are in the market for more information, not less. So it seems like people are defending, I can see why corporations feel this way, but I, these random Twitter trolls who, who, who are like, well, you shouldn't have signed. I mean, what did you expect? And you, now you have to keep your mouth shut. Why? Why? What's, why is it in your interest for anybody to keep their mouth shut? Why is more information not something that you would want? Um, so trolls, think about what you're saying. What you're saying is, and you have no, I assume, no vested interest in this other than to, to learn different points of information. I'm always one of those people that wants more information, not less, unless um, it is from Ian, who works with me, who consistently gives me so much information that I always tell him I, I need a lot less. But short of that, unless your name is Ian McAllen, I want more information, not less, and you should too. Okay. So that's making me salty, that people actually want to be uninformed. A woman to that. Um, okay, I am salty this week. Do you ever watch Carpool Karaoke with James Corden? Um, let me tell you something. I've, I don't watch it often, but I watched the one he did with George Michael, the very first one he did, and I secretly kind of watch it every so often because I love George Michael so much, and it was so great. Um, and I watched the one with Paul McCartney in um, Liverpool, which was amazing, but I think that's, those are the only two that I really watched. The Adele one is my favorite. I'm but the anyway. Adele person. You know who is? Who? Neil Cavuto. Really? Is obsessed, or at least was when I was there, um, with Adele. Loved her. But anyway, so the Adele one is your favorite. Okay. Um, well, he did an airplane version, air, po- air, air pool karaoke with Kanye West. Um, and something Kanye said made me very salty. He said, 
quote to James. Last year, I made $115 million and still ended up with $35 million in debt. Last year, or this year, I looked up and I just got $68 million returned to me on my tax returns. West added, and people say, oh, don't talk about these numbers. No, people need to hear someone that's been put into debt by the system talk about these kind of numbers now that we're in service to Christ. Uh, Kanye has found Jesus recently in the past year and uh, has been holding these services. When people just are saying it's divinely inspired that they have gotten a $68 million tax return, it just makes my skin boil because... So Kanye, can I clap back at Kanye for a Please. second? Kanye, you tried being in debt, oh, I don't know, with student loans which can't be discharged in a bankruptcy. You try not being married to a multi, multi, multi-millionaire like you, Kanye, who can afford to help you out just in case you only get $68 million back in your taxes. Kanye, you try being laid off from Walmart or from um, some other Target and have not the ability to produce another album that earns you more millions of dollars. I mean... I'm all about Kanye discovering Jesus, but, and that's great. I'm happy for him, but I don't understand, like, is there a disconnect mentally between how Kanye thinks he lives and and, like what reality is for most people? Right. That's what, that's what annoys me. It's like, just because, okay, you got a $68 million tax return. Like, thank you, political system that keeps inequality in the status quo the same. That's it. (laughs) Not Jesus. Yeah. Jesus would not be giving you a $68 million tax return. Jesus Jesus would tell you to spread the wealth, Kanye. Yeah. You know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see, maybe maybe I'm completely, I have a complete misunderstanding about this because I I don't know what Kanye does and maybe he does a great deal. I'd love to hear. No, and I think spreading the word of God, great. But uh, but how much does Kanye actually give to charity? Like legitimately, how much does, does Kanye and his tax returns donate to charity? Does he tithe? the way the church would tell him to do? Does he give 10% of his income to charity? I don't know the answer. Maybe he does. Maybe he's like the biggest philanthropist in the world. Um, But I look at people like Bill Gates who have pledged to give away their, essentially their their fortune, Warren Buffett and people like that. And, you know, and then I compare that to the Kardashians and Kanye's in the same boat and by the way, Kim Kardashian has lately done some incredibly good stuff on prison, prison reform. reform. Like yeah. Kim Kardashian, my hat's off to her. But, but the, the, the gross public consumption, the constant pictures with like the new $5 billion plane or the car or whatever, it's fine. I get that that's the brand and I get that that's kind of what they're all about. Um, but at a time when I think people are struggling I think discretion is the better part of valor, and maybe maybe people would disagree with me on that. Maybe they would say, "Well, look, they they earned it; they worked worked hard for it," and that's true. I mean, I think Kim Kardashian is a very hard worker, um, and I went from being like rolling my eyes, saying, "Why is this woman famous?" to actually appreciating that. She, God bless Kris Jenner; she took. And I don't watch the show. I know you're obsessed with all reality TV. I've actually never seen an episode of the show, but I do get my nails done. So, so I do, far, you are not wrong. Keep going. I, I, I do. I do thumb through us weekly once in a while whenever I'm at the nail salon. But um, but she is, Chris Jenner is brilliant because she basically took a family that was, I'm not sure whether discernible talent is, and created this entire empire out of it, which which is a talent in and of itself in, in ways that, that I think is admirable. Right. 
So now we know what their talent is. Um, so this is not a knock on the Kardashians, what it, but, but basically what it says to me is that Kanye West just has no concept of what it's like to really struggle. Just none. And I think that's tragic. And um, I think maybe his wife might want to chat with him about that because I will take his $68 million tax return. Me too. I, I will do that. Um, I don't even need Jesus to tell me to do that. I, I'll just take it. I'm happy to take it off his hands. Same here. And I'm not going to be thanking God for that one. Um. Anyway, happy Halloween. And tomorrow or next, next saltier, we'll talk in more depth about impeachment. Yes, because the vote is this week. Yep. So we'll have a lot to be salty about and a lot to talk about. And we'll discuss what happened during Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> you really should come over tonight. <laughs> I think we're going to go trick-or-treating indoors because I think it's uh, there's a monsoon coming here in New York City. So let's see. All right. Happy Halloween, everybody. Bye.